My name's Emma Cooper and you're listening to the Network Marketing Man Audio Experience. Hey, all this time away and I come back with a birth story podcast. <laughs> now, I don't want to go on too long. I know that when I was pregnant with William, everyone was so desperate to tell me about their birth stories. I was probably more keen to listen to, but I always find that everyone used to tell me these nightmare, horrendous stories. Nobody ever said, I had an amazing day, Um, you know, I wasn't in any pain, the baby came out, you know, fairly easily, it was a beautiful experience. I never heard anybody say that, and I was kind of scared. Well, who isn't scared, especially when it's your first child, you're like... How am I going to push a melon out of a coin slot? That's all I could think was this is not physically possible. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. And there comes a point in the pregnancy, especially when it's your first one, you're literally like, okay, is there any way we can rewind? Because I just can't think of this belly and this bump and how it's going to get out. And I think everyone has a little bit of kind of birth, unless you're really strange. Everyone has kind of a bit of birth anxiety. I did the whole hypnobirthing thing. Very quickly, my birth with William was, um, my waters went, and so I had to then go and be induced. I ended up having him five days after his due date. Um, I ended up with an emergency section because I just didn't dilate to 10 centimetres and William's heart rate went. Now, um, Sean was mortified by that, even though I wasn't in, I wasn't in pain. I had pethidine, I had gas and air, pethidine, and then an epidural. So I didn't feel anything. Um, it was fairly pleasant in that way. It was just the worry over William's safety, really. So when we were talking about having more children, um, Sean had said, okay, but the condition is you have to like go straight for a section M because that was the most horrendous thing, um, worrying about you two, blah, blah, blah. You know what guys are like. But my mum also said the same and she's had three children. So uh, she was like, um, don't do that again. So I, I don't really like the induction thing of kind of, um, I don't know, the drip. It just, I don't know. I, I know it works perfectly well with some people. I just didn't like it. So... In terms then of after that, I had um, a lot of miscarriages, which is dreadfully sad. Not what this podcast is about, but it will explain to you why I just didn't want to take any risks. The reason why I've had such a break with podcasts is because um, for the last uh, nearly two years now, I was nursing my sister, uh, Nicola, who died on the 7th of January this year. So this is 2021 I'm recording this. And um, she died of a rare and aggressive cancer. So I've been consumed with that and obviously dealing with that loss at the same time as I lost her when I was seven months pregnant. So it's been tough. Um, <laughs> you could say that. But I tell you that to explain why I had chosen to have a C-section. So I kind of wasn't open to listening to anything. So when I tell you this, the NHS couldn't have done anything um, at any time to change my mind. I was pig-headed, I guess, and very closed about um, a, a vaginal birth. I was like, no way is it happening. I'm not I'm not even considering it. And the reason for that was, firstly, um, I had been really worried about William um, in the first birth. Secondly, I didn't want to put my family through um, worry. And I figured that if I just booked in for a section, 
then they wouldn't have to go through any of the stresses. And um, thirdly, was just loss. Like I was scared for Wills in the first birth, even though I, I really didn't need to be. It was definitely anxiety. But um, And then I didn't want to worry about Archie this time with having lost Nicola, you know, and all that kind of loss around my family. So that's the reason why I chose the C-section. Um, the midwife did try and say hey, you know, we're really pro-vagina and I literally cut her off dead. So the poor woman had no choice and I just said, listen, I'll stop you there. I'm very pro-vaginas too. I'm very pro my vagina. So I'm choosing a section and also I am very pro-life more than I'm pro-vagina and I really don't want to lose my son and I am terrified of that happening. So I'm not even open in to hearing about other options. You see, the poor woman had no chance. So I'm telling you this because I want you to know that, you know, the NHS tried to do what they should should do, which is to give me all the information, but I just was not up for listening to it. So wasn't their fault, totally mine, I was closed off. Hopefully this podcast, if you are someone who's maybe been in the same predicament as me, might open your mind up to just at least having a listen. If it's not for you, no worries. And if it is, well then great. Um, but for me, the, my mind changed when um, I had high blood pressure. So a couple of weeks prior to having Archie, um, my blood pressure went really high. I knew this because I felt funny. I was shaking. I had a banging headache. like, And then I literally felt like my head was going to pop um, and explode. And I couldn't understand like what was the matter. I have my blood pressure. To, my mum had said like, do use my machine. My mum has high blood pressure. So use my machine, check your blood pressure. And it was ridiculous. It was like 230 over 170 or something like that. We thought we did the machine wrong, called a friend who's a consultant. They came, did it. And we're like, no, you need to go to hospital immediately. Went to hospital, met there an amazing lady who was uh, a consultant. She took amazing care of me and said, you should have seen way more people and had way more appointments and had way more information documented of your pregnancy. Um, it's not COVID, actually, that you've slipped through the system. Um, and Because I was thinking, I've had hardly any like um, interaction with anybody. They were like, who's your midwife? said I've got no idea um and consultant wise I had seen two different people and just kind of straight in straight out sort of thing so um yeah I hadn't had much care really and so she was fantastic she was like listen you're coming to see me at my clinic next week she talked to me about vaginal birth natural birth and really reassured me and actually it massively flipped my um I don't know, like my thinking on it, really. And it was because she was really reassuring. She said, you know, just because you only got to eight centimetres dilated last time, it doesn't mean you wouldn't get to the 10 this time. Do you know how much control you have over your birth? So I was throwing loads of examples at her. What if I came in, you know, I'm in labour, but it slows right down. We get to this stage. You know, I, I absolutely do not want, um, I call them the salad prongs. What are they called? forceps. I was like, I do not want ever any of those going near me. She's like, you can stipulate that. You can say like under no circumstances. And I'm like, really? I had no idea. You could be that specific and you could be that in control. So she basically explained all this to me and how they would monitor Archie. And I thought about it and 
because my blood pressure was so high, they were talking about admitting me um, and they wanted to admit me. And I said, look, I'd rather just monitor it at home and I'll come in if it, you know, once it had gone back down again um, while I was in hospital. Then they said, OK, well, we'll let you go home, uh, but it needs to be monitored. They sent out, they were amazing, sent out a midwife every day to check my blood pressure at home. Um, and they were fab. While I was there, the consultant said, well, if you want, I can... Um, now you've said, you know, look, if you go natural before you, because I said, keep my section date. But if I go natural before that, then, you know, can I try naturally? Yes, absolutely. So that's exactly what I did. I kept the section date and thought if, well, if I go naturally, fantastic. And if I don't, well, then it's meant to be that I have a section kind of thing. So that's exactly what I did. She gave me a sweep. Um, she said I was one centimetre dilated and my cervix was soft. Gave me a sweep. Next day I had some contractions, but nothing major. And um, weirdly, I don't know if you believe in any spooky things like this, but I'd come down into the kitchen on the um, a week. It was like eight days before I and before I ended up having Archie. And I had said to my sister, just talking out loud, you know, um, in the kitchen, I had said, come on then, if you're over there and you're looking out for me and you're here, when am I going to have this baby? Tell me in a song. And then I said, I won't say the name of the device, but you know the name of the device because it'll go off. I said, play upbeat pop songs. And there was a bit of a delay and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to tell her again. She hasn't you know heard me so I went to say it again and as I did a song came on and I don't know if you've all heard the song you know with the dancing guy who says it's Friday then and Saturday Sunday Monday you know that song it's Friday so it's like the Friday song that came on and I stood there frozen at the sink like what the bloody hell and I was like, oh, my God, Nick, you're actually here. <laughs> it's like, well, if it's tomorrow, I'll be really happy. If it's a week on Friday, I'll be a bit miffed, but I can cope with it. So because that was still before my section, which was on the, the you know, the next Monday after that. So um, I told my best friend, I'm like, listen, this happened. So I'm just saying I've got to tell someone just in case I do have him on a Friday. What would be the flipping chances of that? And I could ask the device to play upbeat pop songs a million so a million times over, what would be the chances of them playing that song? I'm like, that's a bit crazy, isn't it? So anyway, um, I had had the sweep. I then went for an appointment on the Monday with the midwife. I had another sweep. Nothing happened. I had some um, contractions. They stopped. They slowed. But I had horrendous back pain. Um, William had been back to back. So I was like, oh, I wonder if this one is because he had been breached a few weeks before. Um and I know from my uh, consultant examining me that um, William wasn't back to back, but I think he had turned back to back. Um, and that's why all my, my pain was in my back. So on Thursday, so this is the day before I gave birth, on the Thursday, um, I... Well, no, actually on the Wednesday, I had ordered some castor oil. Now, I was too scared to tell my mum because she had always said, don't touch it, it's lethal. People were really bad after it and all this stuff. But I Googled it and it looked like it was totally safe for the baby. And like I say, anything I said in this podcast, I'm not a medical professional, clearly. I have no idea about pain relief um, in terms of a medical professional point of view. I am literally just telling you my birth story and how it went. 
So I had ordered castor oil. I got really fed up. I was like, I really want a natural birth. And the reason for the, the wanting the natural birth so much, or to at least try, is because I didn't want to put my family through any more kind of worry and stress. So there was a risk, obviously, of me being admitted into hospital. And I thought, what if I got admitted in um, or the, you know, with the section? My sister, we had to FaceTime her a lot in hospital and it, like, even just going into a hospital now just makes you really sad. So I really just wanted to minimise the stress and the worry that my parents uh, and my brother uh, were under, and my nephews and my brother-in-law, I thought if I had to FaceTime them from there, it's probably not going to be very easy for them. So if I can try and go natural, I can walk out of the hospital that day or the next day, like that would be cool by me. So that was really like my main reason because I just wanted to spare my family like the stress and the worry. So I thought, right, I'm going to give castor oil a chance, um, but I'm not going to go crazy. So I only had two spoonfuls of castor oil in orange juice after my spicy hot Nando's that I'd had with my sister's boys and her husband. And um, literally an hour later, the contractions were there. But I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was having cramps. So um, all my pain was in my back so, so bad. But it was like, you're going to have the runs pain. And I didn't, but it was also like a contraction. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've taken this oil. I can't tell anybody I've taken it because I shouldn't have taken it. And how can I go into hospital? And they're going to put me on a contraction machine and say, "M, you have not like, this is so strange, you're having these really strong contractions, you're in a lot of pain, but it's not showing on the contraction readings, I think you've got the shits. <laughs> so, so, as it started, I was thinking, oh my gosh, because I had had bad piles for a couple of days, I thought, oh, if it helps me go to toilet, this will be good. But of course, one of the main things with castor oil is that you're getting cramping because you're going to the toilet and having diarrhea as opposed to you're having contractions and lots of people get that confused. This was all on Google. I read about that. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be so, so embarrassing. And I was in so much pain. Um, I had had two tablespoons that started and I'd had another two thinking, okay, well, maybe this is just the toilet and then I actually need to start the labour. So stupidly, I had another two. I went on the toilet a lot, to put it that way, and all I could think was like, oh my God, why have I done this? If I am in labour, I really don't want to bring my baby into the world and, you know, poo on him. <laughs> so I was like, oh no, why have I done this? I FaceTime my best friend. She's like, um, no, these are definitely contractions. Like, monitor them should download the contraction app. I said, no, I'm not doing that because I did it the other night and it said go to the hospital immediately. And they stopped, so that's just rubbish. So she said, no, seriously, let me just get my watch. So got my watch, she timed it. She was like, no, they're five minutes apart. Ring the ward and just see what they say. And they were contractions that were making me breathless, you know, like I couldn't speak through them. I was like, just a second. So um, I rang the ward. They were like, oh no, darling, you know, wait until you're three centimetres apart for a long time before you come in. Well, I don't know what a long time is because I've never had a normal birth. I've never had like normal, non-induced contractions. So I don't know how fast they go, how fast the birth will go because it's my second. So I was like, oh, I don't really want to risk it and I really want pain relief. So 
I was like, but I didn't say five minutes either. I was like, oh, six or seven minutes. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I thought maybe I'm being a bit of a sis. So then literally within the f next hour or something, um, which was getting close to midnight, I they were really close together. They were like three minutes apart. I rang my mum and said, will you come over to look after William? Because I think I'm going to have to go to the hospital soon. My contractions have started, blah, blah, blah. Mum turned up and his mum turned up about one o'clock in the morning on the Friday morning. Just saying my sister was right. On the Friday, was it Friday morning? Yeah, Friday morning. Um... As she turned up, I literally doubled over onto my bench in my hallway and I was like, oh, mum. And she looked at me and went, you need to get to the hospital now. I said, come on, let's go up and do finish my bag. So I zipped my bags up, just make sure I got my last bits in, my toothbrush and all that stuff. And um, off I went. So I gave my mum my phone. I said, ring them back and tell them I am coming in because they were like, wait, wait. And I'm like, I'm not waiting. I am in a lot of pain. So I went in straight into like the triage. They examined me. I was four and a half centimetres and I was off to the labour ward with Sean. And from there, I've got to be honest, it was... Um, pretty dreamy because while we were on the triage there was hardly any break in my contractions at all and they were coming fast thick and fast and it was bloody painful by the way if you're listening to this and it's a, you know your first pregnancy when I say bloody painful they're really bad period pains that's what I can explain a contraction like but this was just in my back this time so my back and just around the sides, like towards like the period pain kind of pain, I would say. But they're totally bearable. They're nothing to be like totally and utterly freaked out about and nothing that pain relief can't sort. So if you're someone who's like, no, I want to go natural, fine. My theory on it for me is like, there's no, there's no certificate. And I don't ever like get in awe of some, anybody who's like, yeah, I did it with any pain relief. I'm like, okay, good on you. Um, but I'm just like, well, you know, the help is there. <laughs> I'm good, totally going to take it. That is my stance on the drugs. <laughs> so I'm going to take them. So I got to, I was like, have you got any gas in there? And she said, you can't have it till you get to the labor ward. So I'm like, we need to go get to the labor wards, have the gas and air. It is not making this instance a tiny bit of difference, which it really did with William. It was amazing for my breathing, but my pain was all at the front. Here it was in my back and it didn't really make a difference. So I said, look, I'm going to need something stronger because when I breathed in, the pain seemed to intense, um, intensify. So if, um, you know, breathing in the gas and air on a contraction, it kind of wasn't serving its purpose for me. So I said, listen, I last time I did pethidine and then epidural, shall I just go epidural? And they said, yes, let us talk to you about it first. We'll get someone in to talk to you. And I was like, I don't need to talk about it. I've had it before. I totally understand what it is. I'll sign the legal stuff. Just get it in. Because I knew that you have to sit really still to have an epidural because they're putting a needle in your back. And so you cannot move. And 
I knew that the pain was really intense and that the chance of me being able to sit still was shortening. So yes, I went straight for an epidural. I didn't bother with the pethidine. Really glad I did. The lady who came uh, to put the epidurals in was fantastic. She explained what she needed to explain while she was, you know, getting everything ready and in it went. Um, I led on my side, which meant that gravity took hold and literally the epidurals, like a liquid inside your body, went to the one side. So I was still getting pain on my other side. So I was getting contractions using gas and air. And Sean was rubbing aggressively my lower left hand side to my back. Um, it worked. It helped. Um, but then they gave me a little bit more epidural. I led on my other side. Gravity took hold. And then from that moment on, zero pain. Zero pain. Epidural for me is just, just magic. I did not know that you could go through labour and give birth like pain-free, completely and utterly pain-free. So if you're someone who is anxious about birth and you don't know about what is an option for you, then ask a midwife, ask your doctor, consultant, whatever it is. But honestly, it's completely and utterly pain-free. So I had the most amazing flipping day. It was awesome. We had afternoon tea. I sent Sean off to our local <laughs> our local sandwich shop, which I love. He got some cakes and some sandwiches and we had a nice cup of tea and it was amazing. The midwife there, um, they stay with you at the hospital. I gave birth at the Grange in Newport. It's a new hospital. And um, the suite was humongous. It was like being at the Hilton. And um, the midwife was absolutely incredible. She was so calm. She was amazing. She stayed with me the whole time until her shift went. And then I had one other lady, then um, Megan, who delivered to me. So Kim and Megan, if you ever listen, you are angels. Um, they were just fantastic. And the well, just to think that someone stays with you that whole time. It was just, it was amazing. We forced Fen May to have a chocolate brownie with us as well. <laughs> it Honestly, it was the most awesome experience. The important part, though, I should tell you, um, is obviously making the decisions as we went. So they normally check you every like four hours um, to see uh, how you've progressed. But I was literally sat there having my um, chicken mayo... <laughs> granary sandwich and somebody was pointing uh, somebody came where the midwife was pointing at the machine saying wow you're doing so well like these track these contractions are really like amazing contractions they're so aggressive look at them you really be advancing now we hope and there's me just like laughing like oh my god I'm just so happy I'm doing so amazing sat there pain-free having an afternoon tea with my husband it was amazing <laughs> if I like cheating but who cares it's on offer I'm going there so I got into hospital at half one 3 a.m um about that time uh, I went on to the labor ward at four and a half centimeters at 4 a.m I had the epidural pain was over for me ongoing a little bit for Sean <laughs> and of course he got bossed about go and get sandwiches go and get this go and get that and then uh, so that was 4 a.m 
um, of course, then you can have a sleep. So I hadn't slept through all of that night, but I wasn't in pain. So I could sleep too. So I could sleep while my body's dilating. <laughs> and at um, half past six, I was almost five centimetres. So I hadn't really um, progressed and I was gutted. I was like, oh, the same thing's happening. I'm not moving forward. Is it because I've had an epidural? And they were like, no, this can happen. Uh, 12.30 then, I was six centimetres. So it was going really slow and I was, I was kind of, you know, really disheartened, but I thought stick with it. The option then was to, um, you know, whether I let them, cause I didn't want any, um, interference really. Um, I had gone naturally with castor oil into labor. I just didn't really want any interference, like going on a drip and all that stuff because of my experience with wills. And so I was a little bit like hesitant of having any other help, but I did have my waters, um, broken, albeit I had said that I had been leaking previously to others and they did a test and said, actually, no, your waters are fine, but they definitely weren't because when she popped them, she's like, there's hardly any there. Um, we're a bit concerned now because how long have they not been there for, etc., etc. So anyway, they popped my waters that were left and um, by 2.30, I was eight centimetres. So that was two hours later, I'd gone two centimetres. Could have been the afternoon tea though, guys. I'm, I can't, I'm not convinced it wasn't. And then at quarter past six in the evening, I was 10 centimetres dilated. Now, I knew, we knew, I was sick a, uh, once. Um, I filled up like one and a half sick bowls. Um, I kind of got shaky and that was when I was um, dilating quickly. So although I couldn't feel it, I could just see on the, I could see on the contraction monitor, like, oh, wow, I'm having some good ones here. Yeah. Pass me that chicken sandwich or pass me that Nutella brownie. Let's have a cup of tea and some toast. Didn't stop eating. Um, and then I had a little snooze. It was lovely. Um, but of course then at, uh, yeah, half six or quarter past six, I said to the lovely Kim, Kim, I've got the shakes. I feel like I've had more drugs and I, I, like I'm having a reaction to them. She said, you haven't had any more. Um, and I felt sick. So then I vomited and, um, she said, I think you're going to be fully dilated. I think that's why you're feeling like this. Do you want me to examine you a bit earlier? So yes, I got examined. I was fully dilated. And then she said, right, we're actually going to be ready to push. We'll give it an hour for him to come down naturally and then we'll start pushing. So why don't you have a sleep? I'm not even kidding. Why don't you try and have a sleep, a bit of rest? And um, um, we're going to change over shifts. So I had a little bit of rest, but I was a bit restless and I was exhausted at this point. I was really tired, which is shocking because I didn't do anything. Really tired. So they gave me two glucose um, little tablets, which were gorgeous. And they really did the trick because it really gave me a lot of energy. And then I was ready to start pushing. Now, I think the difference with this one as well was how Megan, the lovely Megan, explained the pushing to me. Like she's like pushed down into your bum. So if you can imagine just going, mm, <laughs> like having a boo. <laughs> she explained it so well. She was like pushed down into your bottom and um, the she after one contraction, she kind of explained it to me and got me to do it. So she said, um, one contraction, three pushes. So of course, 
I can't feel when I'm having a contraction, apart from the fact they said don't press the button that kind of tops up your epidural uh, for an hour before. Kim had given me that advice and I'd stopped that. So I did have some feeling, um, but again, not pain. It was just a sensation. So I was looking at the machine when it got up to a certain like number, I would start pushing three pushes per contraction. So on the first one, she said, can you feel it? And I'm like, I can't feel him moving. And then I felt him go back up. So I said, actually, I can. I can feel him when he goes back up. She said, right. So the secret is to keep them there when they're down. And then on the next contraction, we hope they come soon enough, push so we progress and he comes out basically so and that's exactly what I did on the next contraction I held him there so I did three pushes I felt his head and I'm like oh my gosh I can keep him there and she said we're just waiting a while for this contraction so they were a bit slower but then the next contraction I did one push and Archie's head came out and I did another push and his body came out lucky he had a tiny little head mind but that was it and it was peaceful it was calm um Sean was you know hugging me and sat next to me like holding my hand while I pushed the radio was on with just like really calm songs the midwife was really really calm it was the most surreal um I want to say like easiest thing I've ever done that should be challenging you know like it was ridiculously amazing and I absolutely loved it and within probably I don't know within a minute of giving birth I looked at Sean and Sean looked at me and he said, I want another one. And I was like, me too. I don't want to stop here. And um, yeah, I was just, oh, I feel really emotional. It was just amazing. There was just no pain, no stress, no worry. So if you're someone who's had one of those, you know, not so anxiety-free births that I had the first time, please be rest assured that it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go the same way next time. Also, rest assured that you do have control. There's so many things that you can choose to do or not to do. And make sure that they're explained to you in a way that you understand and that you're happy with. Um, because it might change your opinion. I was also one of those people that when she was like, okay, so we're going to start pushing. You know, what do you want to do when the baby comes out? And I'm like, what do you mean? Just... Um, could you cut the cord please and then wrap him in a blanket and then pass him to me and she was like yeah sure but you know what as soon as he came out she actually just placed him on me and that's I couldn't have imagined her having cut the cord and but I just wanted him on me straight away and um I just said like Sean is not cutting the cord I'm like that really grosses me out so much I know I'm not one of those earthy like, yeah, cut the cord, let's cook my placenta and have it for breakfast kind of people. But I must admit, um, Sean cut the cord and it was really emotional. And I just don't know how he did it because I couldn't have done it because it really is gross. <laughs> but he loved it. He was like, it was amazing. And he couldn't stop crying, bless him. Um, so it was just a fantastic experience all round. And I know that some people feel like there are some people within, you know, if you're in the UK, the NHS, I'm sure other health um, professionals too, that maybe can be a bit pushy. I've heard that. I haven't experienced that myself, I have to admit. 
can be a little bit pushy with things around like a vaginal birth after having a C-section, like breastfeeding, stuff like that. I've never experienced those things. And I don't know whether it's because I'm just so headstrong with what I think I want. Because clearly I could, I was headstrong with this one. It could have totally ruined it. And I could have ended up having a section if I hadn't have listened at least to the lovely consultant. But um, yeah, I, I would just say be really open-minded and make sure you get all the information from everybody and just know that you can be in control. Um, you can also have really different experiences. So don't think just because you've had one certain type of experience that it's necessarily going to be the same. Because, do you know, if someone said to me, you can have another child, but you have to have a cesarean, I, I would I would be gutted. Um, because it was so amazing. The only thing that I would say for a third, I'd be scared it would go like super, super quick and that I wouldn't make it there for my epidural. Now, that would ruin everything because I'd be like, well, I was planning on an afternoon tea. Um, this is my day with my husband. We gave each other facials and stuff and had snoozes and caught up on sleep. So, I mean, I would be really gutted if, if that happened. But as long as they're here safe, that's what's important. Never mind me booking in my own afternoon tea. So I hope this has helped. Um, I'm going to be giving you guys uh, some more help and content, things like hospital bags. So I've got some tips of that, but also because it's really fresh in my mind now exactly what I needed. I definitely want to put that together because I searched so much to find all this information, even though I'd done it with William, I totally forgot. And uh, yeah, there have been some really cool things that, that, um, I wish I someone had just given me that strict list of like, pack this, don't pack any more, use this brand, don't use that. And I would have just gone with that. So that would have been much, much easier. So thank you very much for listening. It's great to be back on the podcast and I will keep them coming. Do let me know on social media, tag me in your posts. If this is something that maybe has affected you, maybe you've had the same experience, maybe you've had different, let me know at Emma Cooper official on Instagram. Um, and you know where I am on Facebook. So take care, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the birth story. Uh, it's a nice one and uh, I will catch you soon. This podcast was sponsored by My Pro Planner, the number one planner for network marketers. 